goodness heavens. <laughs> well, before I start, I thought I would kind of give you a lay of the land of what's going to happen today, just so you're aware. Um, a little bit different. So we're going to start off with prayer. Everybody good with that? You have to say yes, because I'm doing it anyway. Uh, we're going to start off with prayer, and then right after prayer, I'm going to commence to uh, probably offend most of you in the room and most of you watching online. And, and then after I offend most of you, I will then move into the scripture, the passage for today. Sound good? Yeah, all right. So just know something, I, I don't want to offend you. I don't mean to offend you. I, it's not my intent to offend you. I just probably think I'm going to offend you. So, so just buckle up. It's, let's take the ride together. So let's start with prayer. Will you join me in that? Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you for everyone who's watching online, Lord. Thank you that, that we are here to put the focus on you, that we are here to hear your word for us, Father God, that we're here to have our hearts changed, that we're here just to, to sit at your feet, Father God, just to, to hear your voice, Lord. Um, whether we've been Christians for a long time or just a little bit, Lord, uh, we just want to have, have, grow in you and have the next day better and better and better and closer and closer to you. So we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so let the offenses begin. Um, so I'm going to offend you in one of two ways this morning. Uh, I'm going to read some lyrics to a song, and, and, and I'm going to offend a whole group of you because, just because, it's a country music song. Y yes, I know, I can already hear the groans, I can hear the eyeballs rolling back in your heads. Uh, believe me, when I turn it on in my truck and my family's with me, I hear all sorts of comments, so I know I've offended a whole group of you already. Please stay. It gets better. Um, and the rest of you uh, I will offend uh, either as a separate group or maybe part of the first group. I'm going to offend you because the words that I'm going to read could not be more theologically incorrect. So for you religious purists out there, buckle up. Uh, just... Uh, we're going for a ride. So um, this is a song by, that's uh, written by Thomas Rhett, Lance Miller, and Rick Huckabee. I wanted to give credit where credit is due. Um, and it's performed by Thomas Rhett. He's a country western guy, for those of you that hate country western. Um, and here we go. Here are the lyrics. If I could have a beer with Jesus. See, I offended you already. If I could have a beer with Jesus, heaven knows I'd sip it nice and slow. I'd try to find a place that ain't too crowded, but gladly go wherever he wants to go. You can bet I'd order up a couple tall ones. Tell the waitress, put them on my tab. I love that line, by the way. Tell the waitress, put them on my tab. I'd be sure and let him do the talking. Be careful when I got the chance to ask. If I could have a beer with Jesus, I'd put my whole paycheck in that jukebox and fill it up with nothing but the good stuff and sit somewhere we couldn't see a clock. He could probably only stay for just a round or two, but I hope and pray he'd stay until we shut the whole place down. And then he proceeds to launch into some questions for Jesus here and throughout the song. And I think the questions that he asks are pretty good questions. So I wanted to share them with you. 
And maybe there are questions you have for Jesus also. And maybe you have some of your own. So here are the questions that this guy who wants to have a beer with Jesus, which I know offends you, has for Jesus if he could have a beer with Jesus. And if the beer part offends you, just turn it into root beer. Okay? All right. So here's question number one, which is kind of the hook line to the whole song. How'd you turn the other cheek to save a sorry soul like me? Question number two. Do you hear the prayers I send? You ever wonder that? Question number three. When do you think you're coming back again? Question number four. Have you been there from the start? Question number five. How'd you change a sinner's heart? Question number six. Is heaven really just beyond the stars? Question number seven, is mom and daddy all right? And then he throws them there, and if it ain't too much trouble, tell them I said hi. Question number eight, what's on the other side? And question number nine, what happens when life ends? I think those are some pretty good questions. Whether you are offended or not, just take them for the questions. I think those are pretty good. And then he closes his song with this, which I think is also awesome. I'd tell everyone, but no one would believe it if I could have a beer with Jesus. So why did I choose to offend you this morning with those words? And why did I share them with you? Here's why. First, they're great questions. Secondly, we'll see at least two of these questions being asked today in our passage that we're going to read in Luke. And finally, this entire chapter 20 of Luke that we're going to finish up today is all about people asking Jesus questions. So it's question after question after question. So far, Jesus has encountered Pharisees asking questions, other religious leaders asking questions, council people asking questions, and they even sent some spies, some secret undercover agents, people pretending to be good men, to ask Jesus questions. And now, this week, we have a new group. And this is all happening on the same day. So it's back to back to back to back. And this, by the way, is the last week of the earthly life of Jesus. And if you care, it's Wednesday. At any rate, all of this tells me one thing. We've all got questions, don't we? What are some of yours? Think about that. From the deepest, most honest part of your heart, what questions would you like to ask Jesus? So let's continue in Luke 20. We're in verse 27, and it goes like this. Then some Sadducees, men who believe that death is at the end of existence, that there is no resurrection. So we had the Pharisees, and now we have the Sadducees. These two groups comprise the ruling class of Jews in Israel the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there's a lot of similarities between these two groups, but there's a lot of differences also. The, the Sadducees are very strict and narrow in what they believe. Um, they would uh, not have appreciated those song lyrics I just read to you at all. They would have been offended right along with you. Um, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They believe that when you die, that's it. 
They didn't believe that there was anything in the scriptures that supported life after death or that supported resurrection. Um, also, per Foursquare bylaws and per Foursquare doctrine, I am required now to, to add this following statement. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, and that is very sad, you see. <laughs> didn't, didn't want to do it, but I had to. My mic's not working. Better? Oh, there we go. There we go. Did they miss my joke? Should I? No, we'll do it again. Just okay. Sorry. Had to do it. Had to throw it in there. Um, so also because this is the end of their life, they figured this was life and this was all there was to it. Um, their belief was might as well live it up. So they kind of chummied up to the Romans. The Romans were ruling. They, they had taken over, but they, they didn't want to lose their power. So, that, so they buddied up with the Romans, and, and they wanted to make sure that whatever happened in this world, they didn't lose their, their source of wealth. They didn't lose their power circle. So they were close to them. So the, the, the Sadducees ran the temple operations. So if you want to think about people that were exchanging money, people that were buying sacrificial animals, they ran all of that. So it was a very profitable business, and they didn't want to lose any of that. And just hours before, uh, Jesus had gone into the temple. He'd thrown over all the tables. He'd kicked everybody out. And the Pharisees came to him, and they said, By what authority are you doing this? And Jesus said, Well, let me ask you a question. By what authority did John the Baptist baptize people? Was it from man or was it from heaven? And they couldn't answer it. So he wouldn't answer them either. And then he shut them up with a parable that exposed them and their plans. He exposed their hearts. Then they sent spies, undercover people, to ask Jesus some questions. And they asked him about the authority of Caesar and his government. And Jesus said, give me a coin. And he took a coin, and he said, whose inscription is on that? And they said, Caesar. And then Jesus said, then why don't you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar? And why don't you give to God what belongs to God? And that shut them up to such, such an extent that no more questions were asked for a while. So did you know that the words of God can silence the enemy? Did you know that just the name of Jesus can bring you peace? Pa Pastor Dan asked me how my message was this morning, and I said, I went through the usual, I really like it on Saturday morning, but the whole anxiety of this sucks on Saturday night. So I like, like, oh, I've got to change everything. And I kind of slept with some of that, of that anxiety. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I couldn't even think of a verse. And I just started saying Jesus over and over again. Because it brought me peace. And it will bring you peace too. Verse 28. So the Sadducees came to Jesus with this. The laws of Moses state that if a man dies without children, the man's brother shall marry the widow and their children will legally belong to the dead man to carry on his name. So this is a true statement. They pulled this from Deuteronomy. It's 25.5, and it says this exactly this. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. So Jesus can't argue with this, can he? And he doesn't. He lets it roll. He lets it keep going. This is a true statement from the book of Deuteronomy. 
Verse 29, we know of a family of seven brothers. The oldest married and then died without any children. So this is where I reply, yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, I'm sure this is not hypothetical at all. I'm sure you really know a family of seven brothers, and this is all about to happen. So let's go. Verse 30, his brother married the widow, and he too died, still no children. And so it went, one after the other, until each of the seven had married her and died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died also. So that's the scenario. So how fearful do you think brother number seven was? I'm guessing he's doing his own cooking, but that's just me. But, but you see what they're doing here. They start with the truth. They exaggerate it wildly, and then they pose a scenario. It's actually a pretty good tactic. Try it sometime if you're ever in an argument. And then they finally come to their real question, verse 33. Now here's our question. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all of them were married to her. So this is a nonsensical question. It's a nonsensical question because they don't even believe in the resurrection. So why are they asking it? I I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie Stand By Me. Uh, But Stand By Me is a a coming-of-age movie about four um, junior high friends, and they're walking along. And in one scene, uh, two of the friends, Teddy and Vern, get into the nonsensical argument of who would win in a fight, Superman or Mighty Mouse. Right? It's one of those questions you can argue all day on. Um, and I personally think Vern had the right answer when he said, Superman is a real guy and Mighty Mouse is a cartoon and there's no way a real guy will lose to a cartoon. So, But it's a nonsensical question because we can argue about it all day long. But the Sadducees, they, just, they don't even believe in the resurrection and yet they pose this qu- uh, question anyway. But it's not any different than really what the guy who wants to have a beer with Jesus poses, does it? Because he does ask the question, what happens when life ends? The difference between the two is, one question is truly coming from the heart, and one is not. Verse 34, Jesus replied, marriage is for people here on earth, but when those who are counted worthy of being raised from the dead get to heaven, they do not marry. Now, we can find the same account of Jesus and the Sadducees in both Mark 12 and Matthew 22. Same same conversation going on, but in those two passages, we find Jesus adding one other statement, which I love, and I love his wording. He says, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Remember earlier when I told you that the Sadducees had a very strict narrow religious belief. They only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. They only believed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was it. That's all they believed in. All of the other books of the Old Testament, they felt were just a commentary on those first five books. And those first five books are called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Penta, which means five, and tuk, which means scrolls. So five scrolls. That's all they really believed in. And if it wasn't in there, then it wasn't true according to them. But Jesus is really telling them that you don't know the Scriptures. And he says something even better. And I love it because it ties directly into what Ava just says. 
if you look at the original language, it's not you don't know the scriptures. It really says you've wandered away from the scriptures. You used to be there, but you wandered away. You want to know why we have a daily reading plan here at LifeSpring? Because we want to know our scriptures. And even if you've wandered away, even if you've gotten busy and haven't been met, get back into it today. Get back into it tomorrow. There's no time frame. Just pick it up again and go. Wander back. Wander back. And we want you to know the scriptures because we want you to know that anybody who stands up here who says anything, it should line up with the Word of God. It must line up with the Word of God. And if it doesn't, even if it doesn't sound right to you, question it. Investigate it. Dig into it. Look up. Ask questions. Sometimes things are just said wrong up here and they really weren't meant the way it came out. But sometimes things are just wrong. You should know what's right and wrong. I listen to a lot of sermons, and when they say something that just doesn't sound right, I look it up. Like, really? Is that what that word means? Because I don't believe it. I want to know if it's really true. And if it is, praise God. But if it's not, I'm on to somebody else because I'm not listening to that kind of preaching anymore. So we've got to know the Scriptures. We have to know the Word of God. And do you know why we gather in community here at LifeSpring? Because we want to see and experience and be part of the power of God. That's why we do church together. That's why we do life together. That's why we have church. That's why we have next level classes. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have men's groups. That's why we have women's groups. Because we want to do life together. This is not a Sunday only kind of a thing here. So Jesus says, and I think he makes a very pointed jab at the Sadducees when he says this. He says, when those who are counted worthy of being raised from the dead get to heaven, they do not marry. So I think, and this is not biblical, this is my own opinion, I think this is kind of Jesus saying, be careful what you wish for. Because they're not really lined up with the word of God. Verse 36, and they never die. In these respects, they are like angels and sons of God, for they are raised up a new life from the dead. So, So Sadducees and life spring, this is eternal life. Jesus saying there is eternal life. You become sons and daughters of God. You take on the characteristics of God and the newness of life. And Paul gives this great illustration in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but look, I tell you this secret. We will not all sleep in death, but we will all be changed. It will only take a second, as quickly as the eye blinks, when the last trumpet sounds, the trumpet will sound, and those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we will all be changed. When this happens, this scripture will be made true. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Death's power to hurt is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But we thank God. He gives us victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. So where, O death, is your victory? That comes from the book of Isaiah. You want to look that up? And where, O death, is your sting? That comes from Hosea. And Hosea also adds to it there. He says, where, O death, is your, are your plagues? Where, O death, is your destruction? But then Jesus gets to the root of their question, verse 37. But as to your real question, whether or not this is a resurrection, why, even the writings of Moses himself prove this. Uh-oh. 
you tied yourself to the books of Moses. So let's take a look at that, says Jesus. Let's sit down and have a beer, which I know offends you, and let's discuss it. Okay, I made that part up. That's not really in the Bible. But Jesus does continue. He said, let's sit down, let's talk about this. And this is what he says. For when he, that's Moses, when Moses describes how God appeared to him in the burning bush, he speaks of God as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. To say that the Lord is some person's God means that person is alive, not dead. So from God's point of view, all men are living. So the truth that Jesus was speaking was that there's more than just what we see with our eyes. There's more than mates this world than what we can see visibly. There's more to your heartache. There's more to your finances. There's more to your health. There's more to your relationship. There's more to your identity. There's more to all of these things than we can see or imagine. Life's bigger than what we can just see. And I can tell you, as I get older, I worry about different things also. Now I have moved from relationships and those kinds of worries as much, and now I'm into the whole worry about retirement thing. How am I going to pay for stuff? That's why I retired and two months later unretired. Right? Fear, right? How am I going to pay for this? So I have a retirement account, but you worry and you wonder. And I have this guy that worked with me on that retirement account, and he told me this great story. He said, we did a study at the place I used to work, and we found, we wanted to find who, who did the best in the stock market. So we did this research, and we found this very small group of people that did really well in the stock market, way better than everybody else. And we wanted to find out what they all had in common, and they all had one thing in common. Are you ready for this? They were all dead. Yeah, they, they had retirement accounts, and their families didn't know about it. So because they were dead, they couldn't worry when the stock market went way down. They couldn't worry when the stock market went way up. The money just sat there. It just rolled. Think about that for a second. What are you worried about now? There's more to life than what we worry about. That's why Paul and Timothy write in 2 Corinthians, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I love how the Message Bible puts this, and I think it expounds it, and I think it makes it a lot more understandable. It says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making a new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things that we can't see will last forever. See, we see things only as far as our eyes and our minds allow us to see, but God sees things way beyond what we can see. We see things with limitations. But, but in the book of Isaiah, God speaks to us in those limitations. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. In other words, I'm making a way where there is no way. How many of us today need Jesus to make a way where there is no way? 
Guess what? He already is. He's already making that way. Put your eyes on that. Focus on that. Do you want to know why that guy wants to have a beer with Jesus? Because that's his world and that's all he gets. That's all he understands. It's the honky-tonk bar and the farm. That's his world. That's all he knows. That's his present and only world. But if he could sit down and have a beer with Jesus, it would all make sense to him. And to be honest, he doesn't even really think it's possible. Because he doesn't know the scriptures and he doesn't know the power of God. And I'm not saying that to put him down. He just doesn't know. But for that guy and for us, we've got to learn to live beyond our fingertips. We've got to learn to live beyond what you can touch and feel and see and taste. It's a whole other world out there. And then the Pharisees, who had heard everything that Jesus had said to the Sadducees, replied, Well said, sir, remarked some of the experts in the Jewish law who were standing there. And then... I think there's a pause. I don't know that for certain because it's not in the Bible. But I think they said that and they were all staring at Jesus and I think there's silence. And I think you can hear the wind blowing. And I think you hear somebody coughing about. But it's just silence. That's my image. That's my image. Verse 40, and that ended their questions, for they dared ask no more. Did you know that the words of Jesus can silence your enemy? And did you know that just the name of Jesus can bring you peace? Verse 41, then he presented them with a question. Why is it, he asked, that Christ the Messiah is said to be a descendant of King David? You ever had Jesus ask you a question? You go to him with a question and he turns it around on you and asks you one. When all of the religious leaders had taken a shot at Jesus, he turns the tables and asks them a question. He says, for David himself wrote in the book of Psalms, God said to my Lord, the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I place your enemies beneath your feet. How can the Messiah be both David's son and David's God at the same time? So why did Jesus pose this question then? Because Jesus wanted them to know the scriptures and the power of God. He wanted them and us to know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember the question from the guy who wants to have a beer with Jesus? Have you been there from the start? Yes. Yeah, I was there before the start. He was there before the world began. He was there as the world began. He was there in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. He was there in Micah. He was there today with them, and he'll be there tomorrow. He was there at the start of your problems and your issues, and he'll be there at the end. He was there before that. Have you been there from the start? Yes. Then with the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and said, So can you picture this? He poses that question to them. There's no answer, and he just turns away and turns to the people that are following him. He turns to his disciples, and he says, Beware of these experts in religion, 
Well, they love to parade in dignified robes and to be bowed to by the people as they walk along the street and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and at religious festivals, that even while they are praying prayers with great outward piety, they are planning schemes to cheat widows out of their property. Therefore, God's heaviest sentence awaits these men. So the Pharisees loved the reply that Jesus gave to the Sadducees about the resurrection, but they were silent when it came to the question about Messiah, Jesus as God, and Jesus as man. The religious leaders of their time would receive the severest punishment for defrauding the widows and for their abuse of religion and prayer. And they did all of it out of pride and ambition and worldly praise and worldly wealth. And the farther we get away from that model, the closer we get to God. You want to know why I really read those lyrics to you this morning? Because even if I offended you, I wanted you to know more than anything else to see the heart of this man who was asking these questions. He's just a regular guy, and he's got regular, everyday questions. And they're great questions because they come from an honest and repentant heart. That's all God wants us to bring to him, an honest and repentant heart. But he thinks God is way out there somewhere. And he doesn't think God has much time for his little problems because he can probably only stay for just a round or two. And he thinks it's that way because all he sees of religion are Pharisees and Sadducees. And he lives among us. That's why people need to see Jesus in you and me every single day. So if you're looking for a mission, if you're looking for a new way to live, try that one on for size. Why don't you just love people where they are? Why don't we love more and forgive more? Why don't we love every day better than we did yesterday? For people out there and people closest to you. Now you might have your own questions and you don't think you're qualified to do that or be that person. You are. Because we all have questions. Maybe you have questions like, where are you, God? Why did you allow this? Who's going to love me? What now? When will this end? How will I ever get through this? Those are great questions when they come from an honest heart. And you should sit down this week and have a root beer with Jesus and ask him those questions, every single one of them. But did you know that Jesus has some questions for you too? So will you let him do the talking and be careful when you get the chance to ask? And will you understand that he'll be with you till you shut the whole place down? Because he's always going to be with you. But here are nine questions that Jesus has for you. Take these with you as you leave today or take them to our prayer team or bring them to the altar. But I think these are pretty good questions, too. Nine questions Jesus has for you. Who do you say I am? Do you believe? Do you want to get well? That sounds like an odd question, but that one's in the Bible. Why are you so afraid? 
Why do you doubt? Do you still not see and understand? What does Scripture say? Do you still love me? And are you willing to hold on to the truth that I will never, never, never leave you? Some of those questions might be hard to answer, but just know that Jesus is the answer. He's there for you, and we're here for you too, church. We're family. So let's do life together with honest hearts. Let's let's keep short accountings of our wrongdoings. Let's forgive each other a little more. Let's love each other a lot more. Let's do life together. Will you stand as we continue to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Thank you.